Hello and welcome to Catholic Parents Online, a podcast where we share tips and resources on Catholic parenting. This is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Parenting Team of the Apostolate for Catholic Truth. Presented with the lens of the Theology of the Body, we will see how we can be a sincere gift of ourselves to our kids in ways that will help them find true happiness and flourish in accordance with God's wonderful plan for each and every one of them. My name is John Hui and I'm your host for this podcast. One of the biggest questions asked by our children nowadays, and perhaps one of the most challenging, is this. Why should marriage be only between a man and a woman? After all, love is love, and we should not discriminate. With all the influence from social media and uh, contemporary culture, it is not difficult to see why many can be so befuddled by this question. So we should look at this issue from both the perspective of uh, reason as well as that of faith. This episode will deal with discussing it from the basis of reason, and we will then approach this from the faith perspective in the next episode. Let us start by asking ourselves an important question. Why is marriage an institution that has been and is protected, supported, and indeed celebrated by societies across cultures and time? Why do we not provide legislation, say, for friendship, as an example? You're my good friend. Let's go register our friendship with the National Register. And um, when we have a fallout with each other, we can go again to deregister our friendship. This sounds weird, doesn't it? Why? As you can well imagine, societies and governments are not interested in knowing who our friends are or how deep our friendship is. There's obviously no national interest in formalizing friendships as an institution. But across culture and time, societies have been and still are keen to formalize marriage as an institution. Why? Simply because marriage, properly understood, forms the basis for the begetting and flourishing of children the future of our society. In other words, it is ultimately for the good of society. We want societal conditions that are optimal for the development of our children, the first and foremost of which is the recognition, affirmation, and support of their parents' marriage, the very foundation of the family that they grew up in. Second, all children would want to be brought up by their own natural parents, their own father and mother, as far as possible. Think of the many individuals who go to great lengths to seek out their natural parents after having been separated from them through war or strife, for example, or for other reasons. This is an undeniable and innate human yearning for a sense of identity and belonging. Now, for children to be born and raised by their own natural parents, the union of their parents must, by its nature, be of a kind that is able to generate new life. And only the union of a man and a woman and their sexual complementarity can possibly do that. Biology 101. What is more, years of research tell us that children do best with a married mother and father with all the different yet 
complementary qualities that they bring to the family. Having established that marriage in its essence is really the union of a man and a woman, let us now see what are its desired characteristics. Characteristics that will provide a stable and loving family unit for their children to flourish in. What are these? Reason tells us that these will have to be permanence, fidelity, and monogamy. Let's talk about permanence. Children need permanence in their parents' marriage so that they can have a more stable environment to thrive in. Deep in our psyche, we know that. Numerous studies have shown this to be true too. What about fidelity? Let's not kid ourselves. The unfaithfulness of one spouse is devastating and almost invariably causes a deep-seated pain which can last a long, long time. Yet, fidelity does not only refer to refraining from extramarital affairs, though this is certainly true, it is much more than that. Fidelity is the commitment to will the good of one spouse always, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, that is, to love one spouse and be devoted to him or her always, till death do we part. Finally, monogamy. How would we feel if our spouse were to have his or her attention, commitment, and affection split with an other, or even others as in a polygamous relationship? I'm sure we'd feel this is totally unjust to ourselves and to our children, and thus unacceptable. So children need their parents to be in a lifelong, faithful, and sexually exclusive relationship. They need their parents to be totally gifted and committed to each other's good in order that they can feel secure in the stable, loving, and faithful relationship of their parents and grow up as best as they can from there. Another point, all marriages are loving relationships, or at least they should be, but not all loving relationships can be considered marriage. For example, between a parent and child, or between siblings, that would be incestuous and thus forbidden since it would act against the good of any children that may come about from such relationships. I'm sure you can think of many more examples of relationships that may be loving, but certainly do not fulfill their criteria of marriage, properly defined and understood. Now, this is not a question of negative discrimination, but one of understanding and accepting reality as it is. For example, while an uh, old man like myself may want to enroll in a preschool because I love the teachers and the students there and um, think I will thoroughly enjoy my time there with my grandkids, the school cannot and will not accept my application to be a student there. Not because they discriminate negatively against older persons, but because I, as an older man, simply do not fit that criterion of age, no matter how young I think I am, period. So let us conclude with a summary of our discussion thus far. One, marriage is the institution which unites one man and one woman in a bond which provides for the begetting and well-being of any children that may arise from that bond. Two, marriage is necessary for the good of the spouses 
and the flourishing of our children, and thus the good of society. Therefore, three, marriage should have as its characteristics permanence, fidelity, and monogamy. Four, all marriages are loving relationships, or at least they should be, but not all loving relationships can fit the definition of marriage properly understood. And finally, five, marriage should not be defined based merely on what adults desire, but rather on the best interest of our children and ultimately the good of society. By now, I hope we can see why marriage is the foundation of the family and society. It is thus imperative that marriage needs to be clearly defined, properly protected, and adequately supported by all. Okay, sadly, there seems to be an increasing number of cases where one or both spouses have failed the other uh, and or their children. And therefore, many of our young seem to have lost faith in the institution of marriage. But the problem here is not in the definition of marriage or the institution itself. The problem is that many of us, for various reasons, myself included, right, have failed to live up to its calling. As parents, we must now proclaim through our lives what marriage has always been meant to be from the beginning. Only when we do that will our children and our children's children be able to understand and appreciate what marriage is and regain confidence in this institution that is meant to serve the good of spouses, children, and society. Till we meet again, take care and God bless you and defend you always. Bye-bye.